community is finding people that are also doing this inner work that are also understanding what it means to hold space for others and to really see and hear each other. So that's been really, I guess, like my journey with the community and healing and wellness and seeking spaces where I am given room to speak and I am given room to like explore my interests and I get to make friendships and we all get to grow together. What happens in between is all about the awkward middle phase of creation. You know, after you've taken your first steps, but before you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Join me, Athena, as I learn from artists, creators, and entrepreneurs about the tactical and emotional methods they use after the initial excitement of following your dreams meets the reality of following your dreams. Hi, thank you for joining us this week. Today, I'm speaking with Harpender Mand and Irene Lowe, who are the co-creators and facilitators of Women of Color Summit. Women of Color Summit is an equitable community organization focused on creating safe and inclusionary spaces for women identifying and non-binary people of color so that they can share stories and knowledge and make impactful change. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having us on. Yes. Thank you for coming. So I would love to hear a bit more from your words on what Women of Color Summit is. So the Women of Color Summit, as you mentioned, is an equitable community organization. It was started in early 2020 with me and Irene. So it was in the efforts of uplifting and celebrating Black, Indigenous, women-identifying, and non-binary people of color. It was looking at these intersections of social justice and healing and creating these brave spaces where we could come together and heal in community, share in community, support one another, make new friends. We started off in 2020 with the art of creative living. We had close to 400 people attend that. I believe that one was a five-day virtual summit. We had workshops and speakers and cover topics around diet culture, had a shamanic journey by an indigenous healer. We looked at yoga and pelvic health, and it was just such a healing space. And so many people walked away saying, oh, wow, like now I'm going to quit my job. (laughs) Now I'm going to start this new project with someone else. Oh, I have this new friend. And that was really for us, like, wow, there's something here. There's something so healing in it, not only for us, but for the people that attended. But since then, we do annual summits, conferences. We have monthly new moon gatherings. I actually just facilitated one yesterday, although in real time, I think it's going to be released later on. So that wouldn't really apply. And we have two seasons of a podcast out with our brilliant speakers. We do a group program, Deepening Your Spiritual Practice and Community, and had our closing ceremony last week. And it's just been such a beautiful space to co-create and to be able to heal in as well. Yeah, thank you. One of the things I noticed right away is that woman is spelled with the X on the E. And 
a little while ago, time is weird right now, but at some point in the past, that was a really easy way to kind of connote we're talking about women, women identifying and non-binary people. And I think a huge part of equity is actually language and precision with language. So I'm interested to know, because the way that your language is written right now, you explicitly state women meaning XYZ, which I found to be really valuable. And I'm sure your people have found that to be very valuable as well. But did you guys start with those defining and more specific labels, or did you just have the women with the X and then learned? Yeah, that is a great question and definitely learning. I think that when we created the summit, we were aware of how women with the X was used and we felt like it personally related to our own experiences as women, cis women, our positionality there. And after the first summit, we actually received feedback from a very good friend and collaborator of ours suggesting that we should be aware of how our language may be excluding other groups. And so we did then do a little bit more thinking, do a little bit more feedback about how we can be more clear and precise, because it's like you say, like language is a very powerful tool and we have to be aware of how it's constantly changing. And is it right for us? And right now, this language feels right. But obviously, who knows, you know, maybe in a week, maybe in a year, things will change. Yeah. Yeah. And to add on top of that, so our organization name is that woman with the next woman of color summit. And then we did the process of both me and Irene sitting down with all the stuff that was coming out and knowing that woman with a Y has more turf background to it. We thought about what it would mean to be inclusionary with our language, to be very intentionally inclusionary. So we went through our website and our copy and then started doing woman with an X slash woman with an E identifying to make it very clear that for those of us that don't resonate with a woman with an X, that we still want to make this a safe space for trans non-binary folks to feel like they are included. And we are doing our best, as Irene said, as cis women to make that possible. So having facilitators that have different backgrounds that identify in different ways so people can relate to them and trying to make it as brave a space as we can, but also agreeing with Irene that language seems to just change all the time. And we're trying to do our best to keep up to date as well. One of my teacher always says, forgive me for when I miss the mark. And I will. And I like when she says that because it's already like giving ourselves that grace. And with the Woman of Color Summit, we also have an anti-perfectionist manifesto. So we already come out saying like, we're not going to be perfect. And that's a part of being human, but we will definitely try our best and will be held accountable and we'll hold others accountable. So it's very intentional, the way that we have our language and the way that we build these spaces. There's a lot of thought and process that goes in the behind the scenes of everything we do. Yeah. And I just like to add on that, like, 
That intentionality is because we recognize that we come from backgrounds of being marketers, communicators, from being yoga teachers, healers, but we don't necessarily have that background in social justice as other community, you know, advocates, not-for-profits, people like doing that kind of work. So I think that's also like our way of being clear to people that like, this is also who we are and also who we're not. Yeah. I really appreciate so much of what you've said. Specifically, I think that it's very easy to forget to platform folks who have identities that you don't have. So I think often I have seen personally and professionally that folks will do research on a certain topic, but rather than platforming someone who is trans or someone who has experienced houselessness, they feel like I'm enough of an authority Mm. to speak on this topic. So I just want to give you guys your flowers for platforming folks so that people can see themselves reflected in your work. Mm, Yeah. And that's something that's really important to us. And that was kind of a huge reason why the Women of Color Summit even started, because we were starting to see in the early stages of the pandemic, so many virtual summits coming out and these white folks being positioned as like the leaders and the experts in like yoga and traditional Chinese medicine and shamanism. And it just felt so exclusionary. There was so much appropriation and consumerism and just like taking and colonialism that was happening right before our eyes. And so for us to experience that as women of color, as holders of these lineages of ancestral practices and to see that, and it was like, we want to platform Like you're saying, like these people that have actual connections to these things, instead of someone else going to like a yoga class, doing like a Buddhism training, combining the two together and then calling themselves an expert without taking that due time of, is this actually for me? Am I actually paying any sort of respect to this practice? or to the situation or issue, or am I just like taking it over for my own gain? And that's a big question is like, when are we starting to veer more into capitalism, veer more into only thinking about ourselves and our gain rather than thinking about how this affects others and society as a whole? Beautifully stated. Really, really thoughtful question. So as you mentioned, you both come from marketing backgrounds, but in terms of entrepreneurship, Harpinder, you are a yoga and meditation teacher. And Irene, you are a asana facilitator. Yes. And a tarot reader. And I'm really fascinated in how it has felt being individual entrepreneurs collaborating on a collective project. What maybe was a surprising experience in kind of trying to speak with each other in this kind of creative way and create together? I mean, I can speak for myself. I was surprised by how smooth and organic it was. And I had been reflecting about why this collaboration has felt that way versus other collaborations in the past. 
And I think that it's been two things. One of them has been our similar interests, our similar values in wellness and yoga and what we see healing and spirituality, like the goal and the vision of that is, which is community healing, which is liberation for all. And also having the similar backgrounds in marketing communications, there wasn't almost like bumping heads. And from my experience, a lot of teachers and healers don't necessarily have a marketing or business background. So when I would collaborate with, you know, my friends, sometimes there'd be a little bit of having to understand different ways to collaborate and process. Whereas like speaking with Harpenter and then like actually bring that vision into life, it was like, okay, like we both get each other's language. And that was like surprising that work could feel really fulfilling and fun. <laughs> yeah, I feel like our skills and backgrounds were definitely complementary. Irene, coming from this background of writing, of PR, communications, I came with the background of events marketing, business development, sponsorship, and we both just fit. I mean, I guess this is also not the best thing. We also both definitely came from workplaces where we were overworked. (laughs) And (laughs) since we were overworked, we knew how to get shit done. So like that's definitely helped in like us creating the Woman of Color Summit as a two person team and then having our own businesses that we were working on where it was like when it was time to get shit done We knew how to get shit done. And that's not something we want to forever do where it's like we're um, working pretty hard. And now it's like, how do we expand our team to help like with some of that stuff? But I think that helped. It helped in that, like Irene was saying, we have complementary background skill set, but then a very similar shared vision when it comes to healing and wellness and the impact that we want to leave on the world. I think what's been interesting now is like as we grow bigger and larger and expand, and I feel like as both of our individual businesses also grow larger, is really thinking about how do those two overlap for each one of us? It is those hard questions of like what takes priority and how do you grow and expand when you have I guess two babies that are hitting their teenage years and it's just like, are you going to like boot one to college or like, are you going to keep taking care of both of them? And I think that's like a real life thing is like thinking about when you expand, like, can you expand both? Is that where you bring in more people? So it's an interesting place to be is when you are at such a like place of growth to start to investigate, like, how is it going to look into the future when you're thinking in like two, three, four, five years time. So Women of Color Summit, as you mentioned, has been growing quite exponentially, it seems like. It was founded in 2020. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So over these past two years, I know one of the newer programs that, or this is actually the first time you had offered this as a separate piece, but the Soul Buddy program, which just began and I'm a part of. (laughs) Yes. So my question is, as you've expanded, how have you each decided where that expansion leads? You know, what is going to be a new offering? 
I think the first place it typically starts off is like excitement. It's like the visioning, like what do we want to see? Like what do we personally want? What do we want to see for the collective? Like starting from that place of just pure excitement, like tapping into that infinite creative potential that we talk about a lot that's within each one of us, just accessing that and thinking, I can create anything I want. There's no limit. So what do I want to see? So you start there and you probably end up with like, who knows, five, seven, eight, nine, ten things. And then it's starting to then, because now we are on our third year, since now we're on our second half, third year, now it's kind of coming to a place like we have done a summit two times. We have done a cohort two times is we can start to reflect back on like what has worked, what has worked in the sense of like left people feeling like they really grew from this and they really built community. They felt healed, but also worked in terms of like me and Irene enjoying it. Like, did we enjoy creating this offering and holding it? And then also worked in terms of money. I wish we lived in this like world where there were banks and loans and other things offering tons and tons of money to these type of organizations. But unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. So for us in this place of expansion, it's also looking at how do we also get paid for this hard work and time and service that we put in? And we talked about this yesterday in the New Moon Gathering. You can't pour from an empty cup. So it's like we want to create all these beautiful things. And let's think about how we can really create it and what has worked in the past. But how is it going to be a reality? And where are we going to get the funding for these things? And in the past, it has meant like me and Irene not making a whole lot from the summit. But as we continue to grow with offerings that do really well and sponsorships, like we do make amount of money and revenue in this that feels sustainable for us. So I think it's that mix of like, what really excites us? What vision do we see for collective healing, for collective liberation? While at the same time, the practicality of can we do it? Like, does it make sense? Like, am I going to be up till 3am every night crying (laughs) because I want to see the world change. And the only way to do it is me like burning myself out. And that's not the answer either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Like where we're at, it's finding the right support and finding the right processes. Because I understand that the first few years are going to be an experiment and it's going to be a lot of sweat and tears and hours because you're trying to figure out what works, what's going to stick and what feels good for us too. So yeah, I echo the same thing that Harpener just shared, which is like the big question right now is like, how do we continue to make this sustainable, pleasurable for us, but also continues to work for our community, like always having the needs of our community at the forefront as well. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Hmm. So as you mentioned, social justice is also a big aspect of your mission. And you also touched on this a bit earlier, but in your social justice spaces, right? So whether it was uh, cohorts that you were learning with, or maybe courses or just people like thought leaders and influencers that you're following, what in those spaces was missing perhaps 
that made you both feel like Women of Color Summit is the solution that I'm looking for? Um, I think that what we do a really good job in is creating a brave space of like-minded folks. And I think that people who are doing this work, they need their own spaces to heal, to work on their trauma, work on their shadows. And we have a lot of people in our community who are doing this good work, who are educators, who are working with youth, who want to learn how to decolonize their teaching so that they can bring that to their community. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, there was someone that was in our first cohort and she's a space holder for others. She's a, organi- a community organizer. And in our first call with her, she was like, I'm just looking for a space to be held. And I think from like our own experiences, because we met in Eliana Chenea's decolonizing wellness mentorship. And so we were being held in this space and I've done other like online trainings and in person as well. And I think, and so has Irene, I think we both just know how good it feels to be held, how good it feels to be really seen and heard to be around other people that are focused on being heart-centered and service-centered. So it's looking at spirituality from this place of not self-centeredness, but spirituality in the service of humanity. And what's the small part that each one of us can play, but from a place where our cup is filled and we are really seen and heard and loved. And that's what we wanted to create. And I think that intersection that we talk about a lot between like healing and social justice is what sets us apart is that we don't talk about spirituality in the sense of like, let's manifest like the biggest house ever. Let's not manifest like three more cars or whatever it is. Like I see white influencers on Instagram talking about, but it's like, how can I manifest more courage and a sense of fulfillment for myself so that I'm able to go out and help the communities around me and help my family and help the people that need that help, but really fully stepping into what it means for me to be the best or fullest potential of myself. And I think that comes from being in spaces where we talk about where yoga actually comes from. What is the goal of yoga? It's not for a bigger butt, although sometimes it's marketed that way. It's like yoga is this goal of liberation. It's this goal of enlightenment. We talk about like Buddhist philosophy. We look at tarot and like using all of those things to become kinder people and to build community and like love each other better. Absolutely. I remember actually learning from one of my friends. What she shared with me is that I think in a particular culture, which I'm forgetting at this moment, one of the original purposes of yoga or uses was actually to prepare your body for meditation. (laughs) And that just shocked me because, of course, that's never how I had been sold it. And I just found that so interesting because it just opened my eyes even more so because 
I already had some feelings about the way that yoga has been misappropriated, but it opened my eyes even more so to how far away the capitalization of Mm. these spiritual practices has moved from potentially its original purposes. One thing that I find really fascinating about the human condition in general is our, our propensity to compare. And in a lot of spaces that are attempting to be intersectional or just putting intersectional identities in a room together, for instance, like people of color, largely, we as humans can sometimes have the tendency to do misery Olympics, right? It's kind of like, well, my thing is actually worse than your thing, so X, Y, Z. And I'm really interested in how you both have been able to cultivate in Women of Color Summit an energetic space that prioritizes camaraderie over comparison. Yeah, I think this is just such a great question. I just want to say personally that like, when we talk about things about comparison like that, I always just feel like we're just getting lost in the sauce. I always just feel like this is what the man wants, right? Like this, they want us to fight and they want us to get in the way of union and focusing on like freedom and liberation. And so whenever I see that happening, whenever I see this discourse online, it does kind of break my heart to see that and see all that energy, all that and all that go into there when we could be putting into much more productive, powerful, hopeful ways. But I mean, yeah, I think that, again, like me and Harpenter have talked a lot about how we see this show up. This is not how we want our space to be like in terms of comparison. But I think that we have like a foundation of understanding that like a lot of the work that we do, we're calling in heart-centered, service-centered folks. So we are doing that work of understanding that this is nuanced and this is a space where we can have these discussions. We'll hold space without judgment because there's layers, there's layers of oppression here that we have to peel back. I think like even before this conversation, Harpender, you were even saying that like this is making you reflect on your own experiences with your own community. And I can let you share about that, but just really quickly say that, like, I think what we're interested here is also unpacking anti-Blackness in our own communities. We recently reshared a post about how non-Black POC are culpable in that. And I think that's something that we all need to remember that because we live in these systems of oppression, even if we think that we're good or we think that this doesn't affect us we all have to understand that like this is like deep-rooted implicit things that we need to constantly be aware of and how it shows up absolutely Mm. yeah I think it's also the awareness that different folks and different communities have different layers and levels of privilege So I think for us, it's also acknowledging that it's not like pretending those things don't exist. 
So whether it's like looking at classism or racism, colorism, and so many other things, it's just acknowledging that those things do exist instead of pretending that they don't. Because I find that's the place we can move more intentionally from is the acknowledgement that it exists. And then we can start to form solutions and form community around those things for people that are wanting to explore those things. Yes, I really appreciate what you've said. I think that there requires accountability in these spaces, in POC spaces, and even in Black spaces to really deconstruct in what ways we've aligned ourselves with dominator culture. Learning this from an interview that I watched on For Harriet, where the creator of Black Girl Magic the hashtag, which became a movement, whose name is Kashan or Kashan Thompson. She actually got erased from the movement and not just her, but Black Girl Magic actually became suddenly exclusionary to what is kind of locally known as like the talented 10th. And so it felt like people were like, no, Black Girl Magic is only allowed to look like this when Kashan herself made it for all black women, you know? And so I think that it is hard, I guess, to call each other in and to be accountable when you're already like, no, I'm so oppressed. Like, isn't it enough that I'm black? Do I really also have to do anti-racist work? And it's like, yes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yes, we all do. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a really great example that you shared of how a lot of black And a lot of Black people get erased from the movements that, like, they start. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my last question before we move into the seedling round. I would love to hear your individual stories on how a community has impacted your wellness journey. So I would say community has been a huge piece finding people that really understood and got me. That sense of belonging, I think, is something I had been searching for for my whole life. I moved around a lot as a kid, attending different schools, then having to move, sometimes being one of the only Indian girls in class or going to other places where maybe then I was the poorest Indian girl and just never really truly felt like I belonged. So I feel like this like search or this intersection of like community and healing and wellness is something that I had always been in search for ever since I was really young. And I can think about like being in my first yoga teacher training, my 350 hours in Australia, but actually even before that, being in India at the Ananda Sangha community in Delhi and how those people were so loving and so devotion focused and just made me feel so at ease in my skin. And I think that sense of ease in my skin is what I hope to seek when I build new relationships, when I build community, but also for other folks that we call into our spaces is we want you to feel 
completely at ease as you are, not needing to put on, as we had for our second summit, the art of authentic living, like a metaphorical mask to fit in. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's been like community. And I said this earlier that really sees and hears you and cares for you no matter like how you show up and not to say like, if you show up as an asshole, but if you show up and like you're having a bad day or you're feeling really sad because something happened and instead of having to be like, oh, I'm okay. You can just be like, this thing happened. And it's like, okay, can I hold space for you? And I think for me, as I'm kind of talking about this community is finding people that are also doing this inner work that are also understanding what it means to hold space for others and to really see and hear each other. So that's been really, I guess, like my journey with like community and healing and wellness and seeking spaces where I am given room to speak and I am given room to like explore my interests and I get to make friendships and we all get to grow together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think like what is important for me when it comes to community and my own individual experience, it's like, who do I want to be seen and heard by? Mm. Like, I want to be seen and heard by other people that look like me, that don't look white. (laughs) I don't want to be seen and celebrated by the white male gaze. I want to be seen and celebrated in all of my complexity and all of my facets by people who look like me. And it has been hard growing up. There's a lot of materialism that occurs in Chinese communities, Chinese immigrant communities, a lot of focus on the external, having to look a certain way, a lot of patriarchy, right? There's a lot of patriarchy in the Western societies, but also in Chinese immigrant societies as well. And I didn't fit in I always felt like I had to put on a certain mask in order to have friends. And it wasn't until I invested in my yoga practice, I actually found a studio that was run by a Vietnamese brother and sister that I started to feel like I wanted to get deeper into my yoga practice, encouraged by them to explore that part of me. And obviously going into the yoga world, which was quite white, that was a little bit of a shock. (laughs) But then finally finding my footing again with Eliana, the community that she called in, finding Harpender, creating a space together where we're also calling in the same types of folks, the same people who are looking for that kind of healing, that kind of space holding, which is just, I find not so easy to come by. There's a lot more online communities now, but it's hard to find a space where you really feel seen and not judged. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh, judgment is absolutely, I think, one of the biggest points of healing that I have personally experienced and that I think folks who want to be in community are like moving towards like healing, you know, and really how to operate from a space of loving non-judgment. Yeah. Okay. Cacao. Now it's time for the seedling round where short questions lead to tasty answers. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's because cacao is like a superfood. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Harpender, what spiritual modalities are calling you in lately? Love this question. Off the top of my head, prayer, connecting with nature, dancing, reading spiritual texts, moving my body, and then meditating is always high on my list. Mm -hmm. Irene, how are you most easily connecting to your divine team lately? Ancestral work, tarot work, dream work. Mm, Love that. To both of you. What is your favorite form of rest at the moment? Not being on my screen. Mm. Any type of screen. <laughs> yep. Mm. Yeah, I think mine has been going on walks. And I've been doing an eight-mile walk around a lake that's not too far away with one of my friends once a week. And that just feels like so deeply nourishing. Yes. Today, I laid on my ground outside of my building and Aww. just read my journal from January. <laughs> I love that. So good. Yeah, it was really nice. How do you measure time? I measure time through emotional growth. Mm. That's such an interesting question. I started saying this like towards the time I was about to graduate college because everyone's like, oh, like, what are you going to do after? And like, what's your big plan? And what I started telling myself was just like, okay, well, I kind of started living like either I'm going to die tomorrow or live till I'm 92. And I just like the number 92. And so time for me is thinking about like the things that I'm doing today. If I was going to die tomorrow, am I happy with that? But then also if I'm going to live till 92, like (laughs) is the things that I'm doing with my time I'm going to get me to a place when I'm 50 or 60, um, loving the life that I have. I love that. I love both of those answers and they both resonate. My number is like 130. I think I'm going to like pretty easily be 130 (laughs) years old. I love that. Because one of my aunts who is, uh, and lived in Jamaica, she lived to 107, like easy and like still had her faculties. Oh, wow. She didn't even have collagen protein, and I do. So I'm just feeling like, you know, (laughs) I've got the supplements. I might as well take it all the way. (laughs) Okay. Cacao, that ends the seedling round. So I like to end on two questions. What is your greatest ambition for Women of Color Summit? The greatest ambition that I have for the Women of Color Summit is I think that the ambition is that I desire more friendships and more collaborations among women of color, non-binary people of color. I want us to be stronger together, know that we are not the enemy, but that we are stronger when we can see each other and support each other, that we can create our own table. Mm. I feel like two things came up for me. I want to keep having fun. Like I want to keep like having fun myself, creating these offerings. I want the people that 
participate to have fun with one another? How can we experience the joy in transformation and in talking about these like hard things? I think the second thing, like my greatest ambition for the Woman of Color Summit is sustainability. Like I want to keep doing this work and I want to keep making an impact where we bring in women identifying and non-binary people of color in this work to continue. So I want it to keep growing and to keep spreading and for people to to feel the impact of what it means to fully step into our fullest potential and to be seen and heard by community and to reclaim our ancestral practices and to live with a spiritual mindset. Mm. Both of those are just so, so powerful. May you see that in this lifetime and beyond. (laughs) And the last question is, what's the question of the week? So my question of the week is what's my next month and a half going to look like? I had my plans for my life pretty much planned out. But as we know, the only constant is change. But there's been other things that have fallen into my lap that are all good things. But for me, it's been navigating all that I currently have going on while also completely changing up what I have planned for the next month and a half. So for me, my question of the week is like, what's my life going to look like in these next two months? And then there's a few different paths it can go down. Exciting. The question of the week is, what can I be grateful for? Mm, Lovely. Mm. Well, thank you both, Irene and Harpender, for joining me in this conversation, for sharing this little bit of internet space. Where can the people connect with you? So if they're looking for the Women of Color Summit, you can go to our website, womanofcolorsummit.com. Our Instagram is also pretty poppin'. So you can go to at Woman of Color Summit. And we also have a TikTok and we are trying to grow that. So follow our TikTok <laughs> at Woman of Color Summit. And then to reach out to me individually, my website is harpinderman.com. And then all of my social media handles are at harpindermanyoga. Yeah, you can also sign up for the Women of Color Summit newsletter if you want to know the latest updates regarding our group program, our third summit, all those kind of good things. And yeah, you can also find me at Irene Yoga Flow everywhere, Instagram, website, TikTok. So awesome. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me here. Really appreciate it. Thank you you so so much, much. Athena. This is great.